Welcome to The Mend, a podcast to learn about services and support for victims and survivors of crime, sponsored through the Center for Crime Victim Services here in Vermont. I am Anna Nassa, your host for this bi-monthly podcast and show. And today on the show, I'm delighted to have Selena Boone to talk to us about narcissism and toxic relationships. Welcome, Selena. Thank you. Thank you. As many of you know, the show was created to take a deeper look at services, organizations, and concepts for victims and survivors of crime. We want to acknowledge the healing process and provide resources, not only in our state of Vermont, but throughout the country and today the world that could benefit victims of crime as they begin to mend. I always want to begin with a trigger warning. Our goal is to create a safe place to discuss topics of healing. But with that in mind, we occasionally hear a story related to crime, discuss our mental health, or have other sensitive subject matter. We urge you to care for yourself and listen at your own discretion. So today on the show, I am delighted to have Selena Boone all the way here from Belgium. Um, Selena and I recently connected via Instagram, of all things, when she made a post about stalking that I happened to share. And next thing you know, we were having a conversation and I'm going to be appearing on her show later today. Um, so I'm so excited to have our first international guest um, on the show. Uh, Selena is a certified relationship coach specialized in toxic relationships. It's her mission to help others break free from toxic ones and create a healthy one in the first place with ourselves. She has written a five-step program to help with that. Selena is a proud mom of two adorable sons. She volunteers for children who live in poverty, and her dream is to one day open a shelter for abused women and men. Her hobbies include writing, running, photography, and traveling. Welcome, Selena. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Anna, for having me. I feel, I'm so excited for this podcast, and I'm so grateful that we connected through Instagram, through, yeah, uh, a, a post, actually. So uh, it's a small world after all. And yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm feeling super grateful. So thank you. Well, likewise, I'm so grateful to have you here. And yeah, it's just amazing. Within this work that we do, the connections that we can find, in places that we never expected, like Instagram. So I'm in it. I'm all for it. Um, so as we begin today, would you mind sharing with our listeners just a little bit about yourself and how you came into being a relationship coach? Um, just kind of whatever you feel like sharing, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, sure. Um well, actually, um, I think it's almost 13 or 14 years ago, I ended a highly um, abusive relationship myself. I was in a high uh, abusive relationship for seven years and a half with a narcissist. At that moment in time, I was yeah super young and I wasn't aware about narcissism or codependency or all those things. I just knew that the relationship was super wrong <laughs> and was not feeling super good anymore. Um, there was also domestic violence. Uh, in, in very severe form and by the time I got my oldest son he was then um, six months I decided like hey this is not what I uh, what I signed up for and this is not how I want to raise my son and strange enough I didn't have the strength and the power for myself to leave that relationship it was when I was already pregnant of my son that I realized like hey something is fishy something is really off and in a period of a year it escalated like super super bad um, then yeah, you end up alone. I 
I took all my stuff. I left him from one day on another. I left everything behind, our house, the businesses we had, everything. And I just left with my son, six months old. Um, yeah, and then the process starts, the process of healing, the process of meeting yourself. I lived alone uh, with him. And um, it was in that moment in time, I went to a police officer as well um, to map everything everything to prepare everything in court everything and he talked to me about narcissism he asked me like hey have you ever heard about the term narcissism and i was like yeah no i never heard of it before what is it and he said no i'm not gonna dive into it right now but what i want you to do is after this session go home look it up read books about it he gave me a list with some tips about narcissism read those books and the plan was also to map the seven years and a half of the relationship, which is like insanely. I mean, seven years and a half, that's huge. So I started writing, writing, writing everything, my experience during the relationship. And I also started reading more and more in books and online. And by every sentence that I read, it was like, this is me. This is my story. This is just written all over me that I could recognize everything. At first, it was a relief because you think like, oh, I'm not crazy. It's it's okay. But at the other hand, it was also like, oh, this is what I've been in for seven years and a half. This is what I've been putting myself through. This is what I'm enduring all those time. Um, anyway, it was a very uh, difficult period in time where my healing started and I made a decision there um, or an engagement with myself. And I decided if I can overcome this together with my son, a six month year old baby, starting from scratch with nothing, um, then I will dedicate the rest of my life helping other people, breaking free from toxic and abusive relationship and create awareness about narcissism and about domestic violence and everything that goes in. Yeah, that has to do with it because we talk about those terms right now, like it's nothing, but it's it has a load on it, you know. So that's what I did. I, I went to evening school. I started studying. I got my certificate. I studied psychology as well. I went to relationship coaching. I read, I think, yeah, so many books about the topic. And um, yeah, I started coaching first. Um, it was, yeah, a few hours here and there and then more and more. And right now, um, yeah, I'm coaching people also worldwide. I think Belgium, South Africa, I have customers in New York. So a bit of everywhere. And to be honest, yeah, I really love what I'm doing and I'm very grateful. That sounds maybe a bit weird, but I'm very grateful that experience brought me this far because sometimes people think like, how can you be grateful for that? But somehow I am because it formed me and it shaped me into the person I am today. And without that experience and without that luggage, I couldn't be doing what I am doing today. So that is, yeah, me in a, in a nutshell, let's say. Amazing. Um, you know, first off, I want to commend that police officer. What an incredible yeah. thing that he, he or she knew to say, like, are you familiar with these terms? Like that was a really like great experience with law enforcement. And I'm really glad you had that. And that set you on this journey and also just like hearing you say you're grateful like I understand that like in doing this work you know our work is different but it's very much in that same vein people often are like how do you do this how are you grateful how do you love what you do I'm like I can't explain it like this isn't where I thought I would be in my life but I'm so glad I am and that we can turn what was a really horrible experience into helping others in different ways so that they aren't, don't experience the same things we did. There's a lot of gratitude in that. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
So for our listeners who aren't familiar with the terms of narcissism, codependency, toxic relationship, can you share a little bit about what those terms mean and um, just kind of how they sometimes can appear in a relationship? Um, yeah, it's a very broad question. So if it's okay for you, I, I will start with the toxic part, maybe because mm-hmm. toxic relationship doesn't really mean that you are in a relationship with a narcissist. I want to make that, uh, yeah, that difference because it, it's, there are two different things. For me, a toxic relationship is also, um, you can look at a person or at a relationship and you can find a lot of traits in it and say like, hey, this is toxic. But what for me is also very important and what I do in coaching is also reflect to yourself how am I changing? How am I in this relationship? How am I behaving in this relationship? Because often we only mirror and we only look at the other person, but we don't look at ourselves. So for me, a toxic relationship is when we look at the relationship, um, is walking on eggshells, not being um, supported, the feeling of being alone or very lonely in a relationship, also being humiliated from time to time, demeaned, stuff like that. That is for me. Um, being in a toxic relationship when you turn it around and look at yourself often I see that people are sometimes they'll say I'm just a shadow of the person I used to be I'm isolated from my friends I'm not going out anymore I don't see my friends anymore I don't see my family I barely speak to them and I notice when I talk to them that I talk in a different way, that I would that I uh, withhold information, that I don't share everything, um, a sense of shame, um, also not being able to do social activities, but for themselves, like, hey, before I was a runner, I went out, I run two, three times, but my boyfriend, he doesn't like it. All those small patterns, things in yourself start changing, that you are not who you are or not who you are meant to be. Um, those are, for me, signs that you are in a toxic relationship. It doesn't really have to be an abusive one already, but those are very uh, specific signs that are all yeah in the start phase of a relationship. When we talk about narcissism, that's something totally different. And also therein, um, I usually make a difference because nowadays we, we hear it often, hey, that person, that's a narcissist, you know, or a person is more selfish or has n- not that much empathy towards the situation. And it instantly, he or she instantly gets the label, they're a narcissist. And yeah, sure, person, uh, people can have narcissistic uh, characteristics that that can be, but it doesn't make them a narcissist. That is a very loaded label and it's a severe diagnosis. And I also tell people like, hey, you have to be very careful with that diagnosis because it's not something to take lightly. And um, I think in the DSM, it's it's listed in the DSM, the uh, MPD, you have nine criteria and you have at least five or more criteria that you need to check. Um, And it's going from lack of empathy to uh, a huge sense of entitlement. They have a grandiose feeling about themselves. It's like the universe is evolving around them. You know, everything is evolving around them. They are the best. They also fantasize about their life, but then in a bit of absurd way, like power-wise, money-wise, love-wise, everything is like grandiose. Everything is super. Everything is great. And that is more the relationship with a narcissist. Um, Yeah, the not supporting part, the lack of empathy, the evolving around them. They also drain a person just to feel good about themselves. And that is what you are actually in relationships, some kind of supply so they can feed themselves and they can 
uprise uh, and when you are better in something yeah they will downsize you they will criticize you they will make you feel super small super little because they cannot accept the fact that you are yeah better in something else than that they are so I don't know if it's really makes sense how I'm putting it <laughs> no that was great I mean it is a really broad question and I I love the way you broke out both of those components and also how you acknowledge that people do throw around these terms so often these days and that that's not, it's a hefty term to throw around. I really um, appreciate that you acknowledge that we, we see that more and more with different terminology, like trigger people, you know, like I'm triggered over everything or this person is a narcissist. And so I really appreciate that you, that you acknowledge that and caution people to really research and look up what the um, criteria is so that we're not throwing around these words because when we do it really diminishes what someone else might be experiencing so thank you for that exactly yeah yeah so within that how do how does toxic and narcissistic people work in relationships and how does that sometimes lead to domestic violence I'm not sure if that question makes sense but yeah, it does. what is that trajectory? I want to stick to the part of the narcissistic uh, phase, if, if that's okay for you. When we are in a narcissistic uh, relationship or in a relationship with a narcissist, you have a clear pattern. And the pattern is actually you have four phases. The first is the ideal, idealized phase, wherein the narcissist will um love bomb you you know the sky is the limit you're in a hollywood scene the moment that you pinch yourself in the cheek in the morning like how the hell did i get so lucky where this this uh prince charming or this woman came from how come they are choosing me they seem to have it all you know the love bombing face it's yeah they put you on a pedestal and they're super good at that that's also the the other side of the medal because when you break uh, free from a narcissist the majority of the time a lot of people clients tell me like I was never that much in love as with a narcissist because they're so good in that phase they're so good in a love bombing they're so good in making you feel like you're the only person in the universe I want to spend my time in my life with then you have the devalue phase that's the phase where things start changing they become cold icier they withdraw all the love and affection that they show before and it's like a huge difference and a huge contrast because first you were this person you were their universe and all of a sudden all of the interest is gone and they start little by little also diminishing you and humiliating you and that's something that people don't get um it is so subtle in the beginning that you you are not really aware of it. You are like confused. Is this like good intention speaking? Are they helping me? Or are they like really trying to change me or steer me in a direction? It is that subtle that you don't really realize. To give you an example, let's say you wear a clothing of a certain brand, but for them, it's not suitable enough. So they make a comment like, oh, next time when we go shopping or when we go out, I don't want you to wear that brand anymore. And what do you do? Oh, I love that. I love my partner. I love my wife. I love, I love him. Next time when we go out, I will not wear that anymore. I will buy that brand that he loves just to please them, you know? And it starts with that small thing, but it doesn't stop with that. The way you dress, it goes further and further and further. And you constantly, um, yeah, doing all sorts of things to be loved, to be seen, to be valued. But yeah, that's that's already too late. 
Then you have the discard phase is actually the phase when you see the end already coming. And there are all sorts of things that happen in, happen in the discard phase. They can instantly block you on social media, throw you off. They can uh, start talking to family and friends, start a smear campaign. Um, they can also just block you on your phone or stonewall you, stop, give you really the silent treatment. Um, and it goes on and off. So you're really confused, like what, what is happening? You know, one moment we are sitting here, we having dinner, we talk about the day and even an hour or two hours later, they can just go and give you the silent treatment. Or all of a sudden your, your parents call and they say like, hey, I heard a story, this or that, what is happening? So that's very confusing because in that moment you will confront a narcissist and ask like, hey, what, what is going on? And they just ignore you completely. Then the fourth phase, that's the Hoover phase, which makes the circle round. And the Hoover phase is actually when they decide that they want to have you back. And then it's a sort of repetition of the love bombing phase, but not entirely. They will do everything in their power to yeah, to lure you back in that relationship, to keep you, um, yeah, to keep from, from you to go. They don't want you to go. So they will do everything in their power to make you feel loved or believe them like hey i'm sorry i was so i don't know preoccupied with work or i was a bit mean i see this or i try to change and they make fake promises future faking is also a huge part in the hoovering phase so you will come back and then the circle repeats itself over and over and over so that's a bit the phases in a narcissistic uh in a gay relationship with a narcissist Thank you. So I'm hearing idealize, devalue, discard, Hoover, repeat. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now I know like you and I talked before that <clears throat> a lot of times within the narcissistic relationship, it might not turn into physical violence, but there no. is definitely that verbal and emotional violence component. Um, do you want to speak at all to that? Because I know that like that is so at least in our culture, it's still very devalued. Like, oh, well, they're, you know, they, at least they, at least quote unquote, they didn't hit you is something that we hear. And I'm guessing it's the same yeah. in Belgium yeah, as well. Um, and just how we can kind of re-educate ourselves to realize that that verbal and emotional violence can have just as much impact. So I'm not sure if you want to speak to that at all or what your thoughts are um. on that. Yeah, sure. I think it's very important to to talk about those things. And I'm very grateful that you mentioned that point. Um, I think, in my opinion, um, physical and emotional, uh, physical and uh, emotional abuse, yeah, they are different. But I rather have physical abuse than emotional abuse. And I know what I'm saying right now is probably for listeners or other people that think now she's she lost her mind. Yeah, you can think that I lost my mind. But when somebody will hit me, I will have bruises or maybe a broken rib or something else that's broken, but it will heal, you know, 12 weeks, maybe longer, but I will heal and the bruise will go. But when we talk about emotional abuse, that are things that will, that those things have such a huge impact that a lot of people underestimate. When we talk about, um, I, let's say gaslighting, that's something so severe. The damage is so severe even years after breaking free from a toxic relationship or from that kind of abuse, people still have trouble believing their own perception of facts and they will put um, 
others' perception higher than that of themselves because they've been gaslighted over and over and over. Um, being stonewalled, just getting the silent treatment in a relationship or constantly the passive aggressive behavior, all those small things, they have a huge impact on a person. And those things, when you are in a relationship for months and years, that's a pattern that's something that becomes a habit and you will take it with you so even in a next relationship or even in friendships or other things you will go more to that part playing your part you will be more like the people pleaser you put yourself more to the background because you're constantly giving giving like hey i have to give in order to be seen i have to give in order to be someone i have to give in order to yeah to just be a human being and actually it's your human right you don't have to do anything in order to just be you know what i mean and the impact of emotional abuse for me is way much stronger and harder than physical abuse um, will ever have and i think it's a shame i understand also when we talk about court and justice and when we go to um through all those things, it's very complicated to prove those things. It's very complicated to go to a police station and say like, hey, I'm being emotional abused. Okay, yeah, tell me all about it, but what mm -hmm. can they do, you know? But when you come there and you're like bruised everywhere and you have a doctor, uh, doctor's file saying, yeah, this, this and that, that's something justice can work with. And that's something that's so unfortunate because yeah what do you do with victims of emotional abuse how do you help them how do you yeah give them also a sense of being seen and being heard which is also very important in the healing journey so that's a very tough one and here in europe i think it's similar to the to the states um yeah that's something i really think we can improve a lot or we have to improve a lot or at least that's my opinion Absolutely. And just, I couldn't agree more with everything you said. And I mean, that was one of the things we connected on um, was, mm -hmm. you know, me with the crime of stalking, where it's still that invisible thing. And people are like, it's all emotional. It's all psychological. Um, and I yeah. think, yeah, we, we culturally have to keep educating ourselves. And one of the things that we talked about was this um, program on Netflix that just came out called MADE, M-A-I-D, mm -hmm. for listeners who haven't. And it's a really... <clears throat> clear depiction of emotional abuse. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's so well done. So for folks who want to learn more and be able to see that, how that story unfolds, I think it's a, a really good example. Um, mm -hmm. So, oh gosh, I have so many questions. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll try and stay on track. Yeah. Okay. I've got my train of thought back. <laughs> um, how do we look for signs of these things in our relationships? And what do you advise to someone who is in either a toxic or narcissistic relationship in order to create an exit strategy? So signs that we're in it and how do we exit? Um, yeah, the signs is, like I said in the beginning, make them separate. Look at yourself, look at the person you are in the relationship before the relationship and in the relationship. See how you are changing. If there's a huge shift in that, if like, let's say all the things that the examples we gave before, if you went, were a runner, you went out three times a week, you saw your friends on a daily basis, or you called, or you saw your parents every weekend, and all those things are narrowed down, and you are in a relationship constantly and investing in a relationship constantly, for me, that's a huge sign. Ask yourself the question, how come that I am not able to be the person that I was before in this relationship? Because 
in my opinion, when you are in a relationship, you have three lives. You have your life, the life of your partner, and you have an us life. But it's very normal that all the things that you did before, that you can also do them in a relationship. It doesn't mean that having a relationship is the end of your social life or the end of you as a person. And that is, for me, a huge sign. Other things when we speak about narcissism, those red flags, they are already there. And often, very often, that's also what I hear from a lot of people, uh, clients and people that I coach. Uh, and that's also something I recognize. Those red flags were there in the beginning and your gut feeling was already warning you, but you made it look prettier or you said no it's not this or it's not that and you gave a logical explanation to it you know and then I'm talking about let's say when you start dating a narcissist um what are clear red, red flags? They're only talking about themselves. They barely show interest in you. When you uh, talk about special things that are going on in your life, let's say work uh, or, or friends or whatever, they don't remember, they forget. They show up late when you go out uh, to eat, the way they treat, let's say, a waiter or stuff, how they can be diminishing to them. All those small things add up. The way they talk about previous relationships, the way they talk about exes, oh my ex, she was totally crazy. She was totally obsessed by me, stuff like that. Those are things that are really signs. And I'm not talking about you go out with somebody and he just mentioned, oh, my ex was crazy, but for the rest, he's a cool guy. Then he's not a narcissist, you know what I mean? But if there are a lot of red flags over and over and over, then ask yourself the question, what am I doing? What is also a huge sign of a toxic relationship is that everything goes super fast. You meet the person and two weeks later, they moved in together. You know what I mean? And that's also a sign like, whoa, hold your horses, take your time, get to know each other. You don't need to rush into things. And often the love bombing phase, like I said, everything is possible. They check in constantly with you. They text the whole day to through 24 7 constantly checking what are you doing how are you doing it's like you cannot breathe it's like from the moment you meet them all of a sudden they're 24 7 in your life and you cannot find a moment to breathe and in the beginning you think like wow this is charming you know this person is really into me wow look at he's texting me oh look how sweet look how romantic and you don't think further but actually sometimes you also feel like here he is again. And if you don't reply within 10, 15 minutes, it's a huge problem. Hey, you didn't reply to me yet. Or they start calling. Where are you? Is everything okay? I was worried you didn't reply. And you think, oh, this is kind of romantic, but it's not, you know? Those are for me huge signs um, of a toxic or a narcissistic relationship. Um, then the second part of the question was more like what to do uh, or exits like do you talk about a narcissistic relationship or then more an abusive relationship or yeah I mean I think kind of you know if you're in a p position where you're like oh I think I am I know I'm in a relationship with a narcissist or I'm in this really toxic relationship but specifically with the narcissism what are what would you advise to somebody to be able to exit that relationship safely um even if, if whether there's violence or not just to be able to kind of create that exit strategy, knowing that they're probably going to try and come back and do that future faking. And, yeah, and like, so we know that the, that person's going to repeat that cycle. So how would you advise someone to be able to separate from that? Um, if there are no strings, if there, there's nothing that it's, is attaching you to the narcissist, I would just, yeah, that I would just cut them off 
and block them on every uh, platform possible. So they don't get a chance to get back in your life because they will. They will try to find you. They will try to hoover you back into that relationship. So let's say you're dating for two, three weeks, then it's easier. The attachment is not really there. There are no children involved, not a house, not a marriage, not whatsoever. You're not living together. Then just break free just cut it off you can even say it like here here's it, it ends for me and delete the number block the number delete instagram whatever don't be surprised if afterwards fake accounts come back and back and back make your accounts private whatever so they cannot see that's what i would do um but when you are living together or when you're married when children are at stake that is something that makes things more complicated because often that's also what i hear or see a lot on social media you have to go no contact yeah cool you have to go no contact i fully agree but what do you do when you are married and you have to arrange things what do you do when there are children and you have to co-parent with a narcissist you cannot just say okay i'm going to go no contact and right now i block everything and i don't want to communicate with you anymore that's not working. So what I would do, depending on um, yeah, how bad and in what phase of the relationship you are, prepare. Preparation is key. I mean, um, I don't know, financially also living with a narcissist, they want to control, they want to have power. So chances are that financially they will also have all the power or all the control about the finance. See that you can start saving for your own, that you can... Uh, Put things aside so you can at least have an amount to start a second life with. Because let's face it, without money, it's very difficult. Or find a place um, where you can stay. Talk also with other people. Keep on talking with um, friends, with family, somebody you can really trust so you don't feel isolated, so you don't start downing your own sanity, but also to have a support when you finally leave that you have people around you who are there for you, who can talk with you, how you that you can lean on, that can also help you with children. Um, if you are really in a violent situation, then also inform and go to shelters, go off the radar for, for a while, you know, that they cannot find you. Also with the children, go uh, off the radar so you are safe, so you can breathe and so you can start your life again. And when you are really out of that situation, um, don't inform them. Let's say you go for work, take all your stuff and just leave. You can maybe call them after and say, hey, I left, but never say those things in advance. The moment you give them a heads up like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to leave, by the way, here's my suitcase. No, then you, you create a circle. You have to be always one or two steps ahead. So that are things that I really um, recommend. And then afterwards, when you are out of the situation uh, and you cannot go no contact, be aware, be aware of the tactics, be aware of the red flags, know that they will do anything in their power to get you back. It is not that they all of a sudden realize like, oh, I lost the love of my life. Now I'm going to go full Monty and I'm going to get them back and I'm going to shower them with love and all those things. It might seem that way, but it's just the circle repeating itself over and over. When you communicate with a narcissist after, be short, be brief, be very factual. Don't go in emotions. Don't try to explain yourself because it's only provoking and it will only trigger more and more and more. Also with the children, be very factual. That time you can pick them up till that time. This is what we're going to do. Be very short, be very factual and document everything.
that's also maybe very crazy what I'm saying, but maybe you will never need it. True. Then you use it to lit the fire or make a campfire or whatever you want to do. doesn't matter, but better safe to sorry. Just document everything. Um, so yeah, those are things that are very important when you want to leave, leave a narcissistic relationship. Thank you. This was so helpful. And I know so many people are going to gain a lot of wisdom from this. And yes, document everything. Screenshots. It's so easy to screenshot it, throw it in a file on your computer, whatever exactly. it is, like, you know, have a little file in your emails, whatever it might be, just document everything. You don't have to look at it. Hopefully you'll never need it, but you never know. I mean, that's what I told it. Yeah. That's what I tell to anybody who's going through stalking as well is um, document, document, document. Yeah, so important. So yeah. important. So as we start to wind down, we've got about eh, 10 minutes left. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about is how we start to break our own patterns. Those patterns of, you know, especially if you've gone through gender-based violence um, at a young age, when, you know, as a child, as a teenager, whenever it is, how we then get into these patterns of being in relationships with either toxic relationships, narcissistic relationships, violent relationships. And I know that's a lot of the work you do. Um, I know you have a five-step program. I'm not going to ask you to tell me those because that's your private work and we are going to promote your work, but just kind of what are some of your thoughts around how we can look inward and start to break those patterns so that we can have successful relationships? Um, I love that question because I often get a lot of questions of people like, do you want to confirm that he's a narcissist or do you want to explain to me what narcissism is? And yeah, I want to create awareness and I want to explain to you also um, what narcissism is. But when you come to me and you ask me like, hey, can you coach me? I will also hold a mirror in front of you because there's always a dynamic between every between every couple in every relationship whether it's a friendship co-workers whatever romantic relationships the narcissist needs somebody to feed him and you are giving him that you are the source um, of the relationship you are feeding him and that sounds very hard the first time somebody said it to me like so many years ago I had something like what the hell you don't know what I just went through and you come and tell me here this is my responsibility who the hell do you think you are you know and Absolutely. I was very mad at that person because I had something like the audacity you know <laughs> I was so mad but in the end, it is true. We are also responsible for the dynamic and asking yourself the question in your healing journey as well. Like, why did I endure that? You know, why did I go through all those things? And the most important thing is what I mentioned before is where does this, does this pattern come from that I have to perform in order to be loved? And that is the main thing because you think you have to perform perform to be seen to be heard to be loved and that is coming somewhere from your childhood probably um you've been raised in in a dysfunctional family or you had parents who were emotionally unavailable or abusive or or all yeah that's all possible and you take that pattern with you if you really want to heal and not go back in the same loop over and over, you also have to be willing to look at your own part. What part am I playing in this relationship? What is the role that I am playing? Because 
you can look at narcissism, you can educate yourself, you can read every book there is, but if you are not willing to look at yourself and take a look at, hey, why am I going through that? Why am I enduring that? Why is it so difficult for me to put a boundary and say, hey, here is the line and not further? All those things are very important. And the majority of the time they are linked to your childhood because you were taught a certain way. What is also something is like red flags. A lot of clients that I coach, they find it very difficult to recognize red flags because nobody in their childhood ever taught them, hey, this is a red flag. And that is also the post that connected us. Clients often tell me, yeah, they put a tracker under my car to see where I was at and all those things. Or he was stalking me. That's kind of romantic. And then I think, no, that is not a romantic gesture. Not at all. That is a huge, huge red flag. Run, you know. And then you dive into that. And for you and me, it's like common sense. We already see like, no, no, this is not totally off. Go, run, you know. Now you still can. But it's also recognizing those red flags and it's also because people didn't learn at a young age to put boundaries to protect themselves to be ex be able to express themselves and that is very important to go and look at those things and learn about hey this is a boundary this is a red flag this is a non-negotiable for me in a relationship and all those things and really Put that framework a lot of things that i also do in my coaching is asking them how would your ideal relationship look like you know you can choose what kind of relationship you want to be in how does it look how does that person need to look what kind of role are you playing in that relationship who do you want to be and i discover that that's for a lot of people very difficult because they've never been asked those questions and that's actually kind of sad if you think about it. People 30, 35, 40, 50 sometimes never thought about that question or never heard about, hey, it's okay or it's healthy to put a boundary. And that's a lot of work we, yeah, we put also, um, we also do together and very important in the healing journey. Love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that being able to take a look back through our whole lives and untangling <clears throat> those pivotal moments, whether it be how we were raised or, you know, sexual abuse as a child, whatever that might be. And here in the States, we call it the ACEs, but um, it's looking at those adverse childhood experiences and untangling that and going, oh, okay. So I've been carrying that my entire life. Yeah. And that's how that shows up in these relationships and friendships yeah. and interactions with coworkers, exactly. all of these things. It's you know, we're exactly. talking interpersonal relationships, but it affects everything and exactly. how we can start to break through with that. Exactly. It's a red line throughout of your life. And when you go back, you can really connect the dots and you can see, as you say, it's not only in a romantic relationship, because that's also what people think often. Oh, it's only in my romantic relationships. No, when you go and take a closer look to friendships, co-workers, whatever, family members, even sometimes you will see the same pattern, only less intense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my last question as we wind down was, um, I love this quote that you had on your website. The longest relationship in your life is the one with yourself. So invest mm -hmm. in learning how to love yourself. How do we exactly. begin? I love that so much. Um, how do we begin to practice? How do we begin to practice that? Oh, wow. what does that mean to you? For me, how do you begin to practice that? 
how did I, for me, it started by slowing down, by really slowing down. And that sounds maybe very, um, very simple. And it might be very simple, but it's not. Because you come out of an abusive relationship and you live a very fast life. And it's, it's, it's a dynamic you are in. But for me, it was also slowing down and asking myself, like, who am I? Who am I and who do I want to be? Especially coming out of that relationship, I lost myself entirely. I didn't know who I was. I remember going to the supermarket, doing groceries for myself, and I didn't know what to buy for myself. I didn't know what I love to eat because I was so used in buying things that he loved. You know what I mean? And this sounds very crazy, I know. But it starts by slowing down and really asking yourself, who am I and what do I like? And make a list for yourself. I started by making a huge mind map and start writing everything down that I liked or that I loved. And, you know, every day it was on my fridge and every day some new things came along. And then I start realizing, okay, these things I like, but it's not a must have. Those things are a must have. This is a non-negotiable. And I start experimenting with a lot of things like, take classes take workshops do stuff and and just trying to find out who i am and the moment you map kind of who you are what your must-haves are what your non-negotiables are how you can put bound then you can easily set boundaries and keep your boundaries and then you start creating a way to live for yourself and that for me was a huge uh, changer. And that's also something I do in my coaching with people is like really become aware, slow down and become aware of who you are, who you want to be. And it means like, who do you want to be for yourself? But who do you want to be as a coworker? Who do you want to be as a mother? Who do you want to be as a friend? Who do you want to be as a lover? It is it's very, yeah, very broad and, and start living by those things. I love that. Love that. <laughs> I moved into the apartment I live in a year and a half ago, and I never thought I could grow plants, um, but I had one plant. And then my friend gave me like one leaf of a plant and I started growing that. And now I have over 50 plants in my house. Oh, I love it. I love it. But so good example small, of like, yeah, of just yeah, like, small victory, oh, yeah. yeah, what do I love? Um, okay. Apparently I love houseplants a lot and, you know, it's just like that. It brings me joy. And I think it's those little things that we can look at and, and just kind of shift and go, oh, I didn't think I could grow anything. Oh, apparently I can. Yeah. And that means growing myself as well. Exactly. Exactly. And that's such a beautiful example because also coming from a toxic relationship, you will hear tons of things that you're lousy at, that you're not good at and all those things. And then the moment you are back on your own, you think, no, I don't have to do that because I'm lousy at it. Somebody told you that year, years, years, years. And then, like you said, I then you can grow a plant. And it's like that small victory that brings you closer and closer to yourself. And those those moments, they're priceless. They're really priceless. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Selena. Um, I always like to close the show by asking you to just give like a one sentence parting message that's positive for our listeners. Um, yeah, just something that you would love to share. Um, yeah, the, the majority of the time, I would say the longest relationship, the, the one you just quoted is with yourself, invest in yourself. And, and yeah, however that may be, or however that may look, just choose yourself and start by 
getting to know yourself and living by what you like and what you love. We only live once, so nobody's here to come and do it for you. You're the one doing it. So just Absolutely. Yeah. This is our one beautiful, precious life. What are we going to do with it? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here today, Selena, all the way from Belgium. What a joy. Um, if you want to learn more about Selena's work or book a session with her or learn about her five-step program, you can go to subtlebalance.be. So that is S-U-B-T-L-E-B-A. L-A-N-C-E dot B-E to learn more about her work. Um, as always, if you have any questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me on at standupresources.com. As you know, I'm your host for this bi-weekly show, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Be well, be strong, and goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or feedback. We love hearing new topic ideas from listeners and watchers as well. Thank you for listening to The Mend and be well.